Well, welcome to another edition of Unplug It as we count down towards round 10. And as much as things still feel very different to last year, the parallels to last year continue to happen. Obviously, a loss to Port Adelaide when we were 5-1 and one, and then steadying a little bit against the Kangaroos and then a tough loss that, that makes you sort of a little bit concerned in the, in the hope that it's not something uh, that, that is ongoing. Is it a case of we're up for a while, been down on form, hit a brick wall, wake up call, move on? Will it be something that spirals from here? Will it be our lot in life that are a bit patchy from this point on or can we re-establish that early season momentum? All of those questions we hope are answered before and after the bye. We sit at six and three, still a position that we all would have taken at the start of the year. We're just outside of the top four, but we haven't been lower than fifth at any stage this season. We have effectively played one shocker and one shocker against a very good team. Is it as simple as that? Let's hope so. Uh, a reminder also for those jumping on board, we have had record listener numbers this season, so we do thank you for that. It's been a big year for the club and the hashtag Saints footy community. So what we would love you to do is uh, just pop a review in there if you are enjoying the podcast, uh, hopefully five-star via iTunes, Facebook, uh, wherever you happen to listen to the podcast. Follow us on social so you can interact. We love to hear from you and have some listener questions. We throw the odd live into uh, the live show up every now and then, uh, so we might do you know, one or two of those depending on what happens. So jump on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We'll look ahead to the Giants uh, a little bit later on and then obviously Hawthorne before the bye. It is the start of the, I guess, the fortnight of Sir Doug Nichols' round with every side to wear their Indigenous jumper at home and away. So that'll be uh, where we are at. Uh, we'll touch on the... Not the elephant in the room, but obviously the return of the King a little bit later on with Max back. Obviously, Gresham and Webster named in the side. So there is a heck of a lot to talk about. But, H, we'll start with Adelaide. I guess this could be as long or as brief as we wish it to be. The writing was on brief. the wall. Yeah, brief. that's right. The writing was on the wall pretty early. And, and look, from, from my point of view, Adelaide were relentless. They just kept coming at us every time we'd arrest a bit of momentum for a few minutes. They'd be wave after wave. We just weren't able to to stifle their run. Obviously, they kicked goals from, from everywhere, but their ball movement sliced us up. Um, we had you know one or two moments in the match. We should have made more of the second quarter, but we didn't. But it, it felt like, you know, basically from the first bounce that we were getting overwhelmed in that game. And hopefully it is, as Ross Lyon said, a chance to take a mulligan and a, a genuine shocker. Yeah. Um, well, I more think probably to, the mulligan was probably more to Kangaroos game in mm. that we, we, we got the whole... We got the ball in the hole, but it was just one that we just took. But this, this, this went in the bloody drink. This one, mm-hmm. um, it was wasn't uh, wasn't a good match at all. Um, they simply just they, they outran us. They out they wanted the ball more. They were the first to the contest most of the day, and every time the ball hit the ground, there'd be three of them and one of us. And yeah, you're not winning the ball when you got one against three. And that's that's exactly what happened all day. I don't know. Players either waiting for the easy ball to come out. Has has that been happening a lot? Have we been just getting the good bounce and everything else in the other games, or did we not? I guess get to the positions that we we probably should have been getting to. It, it was just a we're outnumbered everywhere basically. Um, the only time we really weren't outnumbered is if we managed to get a ball back over the top again and 
yeah, we got like we've got a couple of open goals without out numbers in our forward line, but that tells you they were still in numbers running towards their goal when we got the ball and we were falling behind. So it's one way to look that, yes, we managed to get the numbers and get it back and get in our goal, but it only happened a couple of times. Those numbers needed to be beating them back to their end. And, yeah, we just fell behind all day. So it, was, it wasn't fun to watch. Um, <laughs> very, very frustrating to sit there thinking, I mean, Adelaide, I guess, have been a lot better than what everyone expected. Mm. Um, I, I didn't think they were going to be the worst team this year. They, no. They've mm. re- recruited pretty well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, we, we on paper, on, on I guess, best form, they are a team we should beat. I mean, take into account, yes, it's in Adelaide as well. Um, Again, a ground that we've struggled at forever. Um, But, yeah, to to lose by that much, I mean, you take a two, three goal win in in a tight match, but, yeah, getting blown out out of the water like that was just, yeah, completely out of character. Yeah, if you put it in perspective, I guess Adelaide's last four home games prior to that, they beat Port by seven goals. They beat Fremantle by six or seven goals. They beat Carlton by probably 10. And they should have beaten Collingwood by six goals, but they kicked seven mm. goals, 16, and, and butchered that. They've been a, a pretty sharp side. And, and look, the, you could see it coming in a way over the last couple of weeks, probably not to that extent, but obviously we'd been down for a little bit. The Port Adelaide game, we were scratchy. The North game, we were poor. And sometimes if you win a game when you're poor, it doesn't necessarily... As much as you try during the week and address certain things, you just, for whatever reason, that message doesn't quite sink in. But it was a massive punch in the face. It felt like a game where everything you didn't want to have happen, happened. So uh, at the start of the game, you had Tex get off the chain. We made defensive mistakes. I remember messaging a few people before the game and go, oh, this is the type of game where Rankin will pop up and kick a few sort of fluky mm-hmm. goals. Does that with the very first goal of the game. Then in the second quarter, we finally wrestle our way back into the game and Adelaide kick a goal with three seconds left in the second quarter. Then Caminiti runs into an open goal in the third quarter and, and buggers it up, basically, when it was the easiest goal you've ever seen. Adelaide goes straight down the other end and kick one. Then Membry takes the mark of the day but knocks himself out. Um, it, it felt like they couldn't miss. It felt like everything went wrong. And, and I guess if you wanted to find, Nick, this is a, a silly thing to say, but a positive and a negative, it's that from, from my point of view, that was as bad as it could possibly go. And, and we've yeah. seen what that looks like. And it's probably not all that far away, if that makes sense. Hundred percent, and I think you, you, both of you have kind of nailed it in that we, we know that it was the worst defensive performance of the season. We know where we fell short. You know, they were faster, they moved the ball better, they were more direct, they took their chances when they had them. Um, you know, they were always there to to bounce back, like you said when when we kind of wrestled the the momentum back in the second quarter, and then they went bang bang two goals in two minutes at the end, just before half time, like just took the wind out of our sails or whatever we'd kind of, you know, won back in terms of momentum. Um, but that that's as bad as it gets. Like when when Ross Lyon is is your coach and, and the structure is what it is, not many teams are going to be able to do that to us over the course of a season. And if that happens, you know, once every nine weeks, then we're probably in a pretty good a pretty good spot. And and like you said, this isn't Adelaide of, of a year or two ago where they're easy beats, they're pushovers and whatever. This is a really talented, skillful 
Crows team. Like they're a pretty mm. good unit. Mm. And I think they were what four and four going into this game. That probably uh, I don't think that that showed the quality of of their team. Them being at at five hundred or fifty percent, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're a really good team, Adelaide, and they've got quality on every line. Um, and they you know they flexed it. They flexed it, and we didn't we didn't cope with it. But we will have learned a hell of a lot out of this. And like you said at the top, Darren, uh, that's that's as as bad as it gets. Um, and yeah, it, it won't happen again. And we would have taken six and three ten weeks ago, every day of the week, every day of the week. We we were talking pre round one that if we can if we can be three and three. Yeah, after six weeks, then then we'd be pretty happy with that. We're six and three. We've got two very winnable games. We've still got to win them. We know that. We've got two very winnable games ahead of the bye. Um, but if someone had said that, you know, we're going to be six and three after nine, we would have taken it every day of the week. The sky isn't falling in. Let's not overreact. We lost to a very good team at their home ground. We were off and they were on. And that's it. Let's move on. Yeah, it felt like HC... On reflection, obviously, we, we did a show last week, as we, we always do, and you're always you know going to games thinking you do this, you do that, you do that, you might win. But I don't know. There, there was an ominous feel, I guess, based on the last couple of weeks, thinking they're in form, they're pretty hard to beat at home, we're struggling, we've been a bit scratchy, Gresham goes out. Um, you don't excuse it. We should have played better than we did, and, and ultimately that's the wake-up call. But it's about what happens now. Uh, it's you get punched in the face occasionally. Um, now it's about the response. Last week it was scratchy, but they won. Now it's a case of okay, you're out of form. What do you do now? That's um, that's what it comes yeah. down to. I, I think I said that if we played that way that we did against North, we were going to struggle to win the match. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we we needed a massive improvement upon there, mm. and it, it didn't didn't feel like it was much better than that what we played that day. So it's. It's it's rolled over two weeks. Um, we yeah now going into a game where uh, GWS who we um, got over the line against last year, where we sort of held them off towards the end and managed to hang on for a win. And so that again, not an easy team. They've beaten. I mean, I was going to say they've, they've beaten Sydney. Sydney haven't been as good as obviously, but or to Sydney for the. What are they called? Battle of the Bridge up there. They Sydney lifted for that game and pretty much had it in the bag until the last few minutes. So as we know, GWS can turn up. It's just a matter of whether they turn up or don't turn up. Um, but yeah, Adelaide turned up on the day. They um, basically played the game that they wanted to play. Didn't let us do what we want to do. And yeah, we, we sort of just fell away and went, okay, well, we can't do to play, play the game game plan that we want to play. And then it, it just sort of felt like, okay, we're going to keep trying until it works. And it just did not work. Um, te- I mean, you look at Tex Walker's, mm-hmm. you, you let him do what he wants and he, he's going to pull you to pieces. It, it's, um, I mean, he's gone so hard that he's probably get. He might miss this week by the looks of it. But <laughs> I tweeted um, he'd kick more goals than Plugger if he played against us every week. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'd be pretty close in the end. It's um, yeah, it's just he just manages to manages to pick us most years. Um, he, he took over from um, I'm trying to think of the guy that was at Adelaide and Sydney. Um, Tippett. Yeah. He took over from him and kicking, mm. only turning up against us. David Neitz um, was the other one that used to just rip us a new one all the time. 
Yeah, so, so we, we've got these players that you think, well, all right, let's just get a hold of them, and and yeah, they, they again they just come out and do it to us every time, and you think, well, we we knew that was going to happen if we didn't do something about it. So yeah, it's just a little one that you sort of think, well, next time can we can we stop him? <laughs> He might be retired it's, the next time we play him. <laughs> it's it's an interesting one. Like I, I kind of feel like having seen enough of Ross Lyon over the last fifteen years, he probably as as much as he hates losing, he probably wouldn't mind this one. Like his his message throughout the first couple of months of the season has been the same, regardless of win or loss. This is a this is a, a learning experience for us you know we, we know we're undermanned we're a very young team we've got guys out we're missing you know we've got to make sure forward line um we've got guys out of the middle um and we've continued to win games which potentially papers over some of those cracks uh and you know gets expectations higher than they potentially should be uh it's not to say that we shouldn't be going into every game wanting to and expecting to win but like i said before if, if someone had said to us 12 weeks ago that you're going to be six and three after nine, we would have taken every day of the week because we weren't expecting that. Uh, we weren't expecting some of the performances that we've seen. And I think that what we've seen in the last month is probably closer to what we expected coming into this season. Uh, what we saw in the first five weeks was what we wanted to see. We want to see the effort, the intensity, the attitude, all those types of things, but that they've fallen off a little bit over the last month. And, and now I think having had a big loss, a really disappointing result, you know, you can go back to the drawing board and say, Hey, really clearly, these are the things we need to work on. When, when you, like you said, Paco, you have the game against North, but you scrape across the line, you get the points and, and all that sort of stuff. In the end, you win fairly comfortably for whatever it's worth. You kind of go, well, you know, we, we of course we should win that game. Like th- that's just a given. But now you go in and, and you're looking at a, a 50, 60 point loss and you're going, we've got things to work on and we've got to work really hard to, to turn this around. We've got to get back on the track. We've got to freshen up. You know, we need to do all these things and this is a process and it kind of resets those expectations again. Let's get back to doing the things that we do well um, because I think we've kind of lost a few of those things from the first kind of month or, or mm-hmm. five weeks. Over the last few weeks, we've kind of lost a bit of that intensity and attitude and you know all that sort of mongrel that you get from Ross Lyon teams we've kind of gone away from a little bit um, and now it's time to go get it back yeah and once or once or twice certainly against Port we got picked open in the middle not not a lot it might have been three times in the game uh, where, where they found someone in the middle of the ground Adelaide obviously sliced us up a bit there so just a couple of things dropping away our forward structure obviously in the last month has been a little bit more concerning obviously we've, we've taken a step with with who we get back this week and obviously Caminiti I thought had a pretty positive impact obviously one of the last things memories was in butchering that goal but otherwise he was pretty solid with four shots of goal seven marks or something kick a couple so he was okay and obviously the club has signed him on for three years which is a great result we might chat about that a bit later on but he's been really impressive but yeah, it, you, you're right. Obviously, it gives them you, – you prefer it not happen and that you can learn on the run and win. But, um, yeah, there, there are some plenty of things to take away and you've got no choice but to address them when you cop a result like that. So we, we get the first opportunity against the Giants this week to take a look at it. Um, in terms of the votes – out of that game, it's interesting with our vote system as it is at the moment um, where we're doing the best of – or you've basically got 10 votes to distribute. There are going to be some situations where, um, you know, players are going to get more votes in a bad performance because there are less players to get votes, if that makes sense. But um, wanted to give 
honourable mention to Marshall and Steele. I thought Steele was our best player in the first half. Obviously, was limited with injury in the second. Um, and Marshall uh, also was, was obviously off the ground a bit late, but 49 hit outs and a stack of contested possessions. But I gave three to Crouch, really good game back at his old home. Uh, two to Higgins, I think if you get 18 possessions and kick three goals in a game where you get belted as a small forward, that's pretty good. Two to Sinclair, just about our only composed player with ball in hand. Uh, one to Woods. Um, who, you know, 11 marks and a couple of goals on the wing. One to Clark, who was our second best midfielder. And I thought Wanganine Miller, whilst he didn't get as much of the ball as the week before, uh, was still pretty steady when he had it in his hands. And I don't recall him making a mistake in a match where we made plenty of mistakes. But H, um, how did you see it? Yeah, um, I actually thought our best on ground that I, I actually enjoyed watching what he was doing out there was Hunter Clark. I... I liked what he did with uh, he was one that was actually finding the ball he was finding position he was finding targets that that was the other thing okay you look at through the numbers of the possessions and i mean crouch had 30 but he had 10 clangers um and you just look through the numbers of the those and yeah clark's had the second most possessions 25 but he's had two he, he used the ball he was actually composed when he had it with his hand it was it was the sort of game you watched if if we'd had won, he probably would have disappeared amongst all the other players because I mean, everyone else around him would have had to have lifted. But I just feel like that effort that he put in the game himself, um, it was the one I noticed more than anyone that it was actually getting us somewhere. So gave him the three, two to crouch. I mean, threw himself in, got the heaps of the ball. I see turning the ball over probably cost him a little bit. Um, just just gave it back too often, um. But yeah, he was in there doing the hard yard. So, um, two to Higgins as well gave us something up forward when it where there wasn't much. Um, won the Marshall. He, his stat line probably other weeks would probably get more votes, but um, it, it just didn't have the impact that it could have had. Um, I, I feel with what he. He did have. He could have done a little bit more with. Um, that's that's the only, I guess, down point on that. Naz, as you said, for another one, and Sinclair with the one as well, just yeah, doing what he does down back. Um, kept a little quiet. One uh, fiftieth, as as we know, we don't <laughs> lift for milestone games very often. So yeah, but it's certainly one we another one we haven't lifted for. Nick, how did you um, separate a good call? I think H on um, on Marshall. It did feel that way. I looked at the stat sheet at halftime. He had thirty five hitouts at halftime, and I'm like, shit. Mm. But um, yeah, it didn't feel like he he'd had a huge influence, but was still pretty good. But um, Nick, how did you see it? Pretty similar. I I, I snuck Filippo uh, in in for one vote just for his work rate. I think it was something aside to his game that that we hadn't seen as much of before especially when things are going against him. And I think he was kind of in the top quarter of players on the ground for metres gained. His running efforts were really good. He continued to work hard even when everything was going against us. I think he had 18 or 9 touches and and just continued to work hard, which I think is, is really important for a young kid. Uh, one, two, Clark, Sinclair and Marshall. And then I couldn't really split the impacts of Crouch, Higgins, and, and Wood. So I gave them two each for their impacts around the ground and, and what they were able to do. Obviously, Higgins, like you said, to, to, to have kind of 20 and kick three was was pretty impressive in a losing cause away from home. And, and Mason Wood just doing Mason Wood things. 
uh, and Crouch just knows how to find the footy. Uh, it was pretty hard to to kind of knock his his impact. And the one thing that you mentioned, H, which is probably why it didn't kind of he, he didn't stand out uh, amongst that that group was the the clangers and, and turnovers. Yeah, and that was telling. Obviously, we saw even Steele, Ross, um, a couple of others turning the ball over far too often. Credit to Adelaide. It's hard not to uh, sometimes do that, give credit to the opposition. They were super. We move on. Hopefully, um, you know, if we face them again, then uh, you know, the situation changes a little bit. Uh, we've got a few irons in the fire in terms of some guest options over coming weeks so we look forward to bringing you some of those uh, we'll always take your nominations we have got our whole back catalogue if you want to have a listen back to um, who we have spoken to to in case your request has already been there and you can go back and have a listen to it but otherwise send them through to us via socials uh, we turn our attention to the giants interesting looking at their profile this year. They're three and six. Their victories have come against Hawthorne by a couple of points against Sydney, who was struggling, but a, a very good win. And they beat Adelaide in round one, uh, coming from a long way back when the Crows were extremely inaccurate, which they seem to have been most weeks, except the, the most recent one, obviously. But um, yeah, they, they've been competitive, but one of their main weapons clearly has been Toby Green and luck would have it. He's, he's back this week. Obviously, he won them that Sydney game. Um, he's had an excellent season if you look at his numbers, uh, all-Australian type year. And uh, I've often felt that he's the most important player to any team in the entire competition um, in terms of what he means to them. So that's operation number one. I, I think one thing I've observed with the Giants this year, I know they got flogged by Collingwood, but they've played with a fair degree of spirit. I think Adam Kingsley's had them humming along pretty well. They've been putting in, they've been competitive, they've been fighting. They're a little bit limited. Uh, and if it became a battle of, you know, run and gun and things like that, we've we probably got them covered. But in saying that, I don't think you just flick a, a switch and hit form immediately when you've come off it. So I, I get the feeling it's going to be a bit of a dour struggle. And not, not a 50-50 game, but obviously not that much better than that, maybe 60-40, something like that, our way. I think it's one where we're going to get some nervous moments and be asked some serious questions, and, and I think Russell will, will actually like that, um, and hopefully we can rise to the challenge and get ourselves back on track, which I'm confident that we can do. Uh, as for the selections, Nick, so Webster, clearly I think a favourite of Ross's. You'd think he plays for Patton. Max King will replace Membry. I feel for Membry. He was actually starting to show a bit last week. Um, it was his best game for a while before he got concussed. Um, but thankfully, Caminiti's there. And Gresham will play, I assume, probably for Sharman, who was a little bit quiet. And that would mean that Bytel would be the sub again. We'll, we'll have a chat in a minute about who wasn't picked. But what do you uh, what do you make of um, I guess those changes in the game? Well, all all the headlines, for good reason, are going to be about Max King, return of the King. We know how much our forward structure has struggled. We know that we've gone in undermanned, undersized, and and how important he is to our structure. But I think I think the big one really here is Jimmy Webster. Uh, I think you touched on it with with Toby Green coming back in. He is there. Their, their best player. He's their most important player. One of the things that I think we've kind of glossed over a little bit over the last few days since the, the Adelaide game, is we know Tex kicked five. We, he always kicks a bag against us. But it was their smalls and half forwards that were really dynamic and, and were able to, to win the ball, hit the scoreboard, um, and, and really impact. And I think that, that we've seen that a little bit over the last month or so. And Jimmy Webster's attack on the ball, his 
contested work, his body on body, um, which has really improved over the last few years. I remember when he first came into the team and he was a bit of that, you know, a real kind of skinny, lightweight halfback flanker. You know, didn't really contest man on man. And and, and he's really cha- turned that around and, and changed his game over the last couple of years. I think he's a really important piece to this team. And uh, I think that he's a, a really big in this week and, and looking forward to seeing what he does to that kind of defensive structure that, that has over the last month. We know how solid and reliable they are, but they have struggled a little bit over the last month. And and I feel like he's just an underrated, undermentioned, under-considered piece of that back six and, and that defensive unit. And really interested to see how that happens. I, f- I feel like he's the 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 direct um the direct guy to go to Toby Green early. Obviously, if things don't go well, then maybe you swing Cal Wilkie onto him or, or something. But Webster on Green, you know, two really niggly players could could be a really good battle. And um, I think we forget about Jimmy Webster mm. over the last couple of years. Definitely. I think it's a good point, H. I think his ball use is, without comparing him in every sense to, to Patton, I think his ball use is certainly better. He's, he's bigger, obviously, and he's got a little bit more flexibility. Patton at the start of the year was a sub when Webster was available, which gives a bit of an indication as to how it sits. Obviously, Wilkie is Mr. Fixer who can play on big and small, so he's certainly an option for, for Green should that situation be required. Stocker might be another one that, that maybe runs through it if he has to. But um, Jesse Hogan's another one down there who's been a, a key target. They've obviously got Himmelberg who'll spend a bit of time there. Cadman, the early draft pick, who's um, got a bit of talent. And clearly through the middle, they've obviously got some ball winners. But, um, yeah, they, they've been stripped back a little bit and they're quite young, but um, there's some players to look at. Yeah, I'd honestly think we'd miss Patton, to be honest. I, I think. That could be a good Toby Green matchup. Um, oh, he'd oh, he'd almost be one of the first ones I'd pick to actually go to him. Um, so if if we do leave him out, I'd actually be a little disappointed because yeah, I, I feel that role could be where we'd look for him. But um, yeah, Webster's. I thought at the start of the season he was. I mentioned if he was one of the players who was up and about, we'd be going all right. Um, we need players like that to be playing well. Otherwise, we are struggling. Um, but in the way of all those changes, um, I obviously King, direct spot for memory. Um, memory, I'm going to be really interested to see how we perform without him because if it's something if, if it all starts clicking again you'll sort of go is his position in danger because you see three weeks i mean you play carlton we go all right with him north it wasn't you know, port, we got port adelaide we, we didn't play great north wasn't great adelaide wasn't great you sort of think okay if we play good football because he may not play for a couple of weeks if you pl- we play good football without him, he could actually struggle to make it back. So it's a big question mark on his position at the moment. Um, and I mean, if we start playing really well, it's going to be hard for anyone to get back in, I guess. So it, Gresham, I mean, he wouldn't have made up a ten goal difference last week, but still, it, it could have been. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's someone that we could have, I guess. A swung into a different position into the midfield into 
somewhere just to try something different. But yeah, that, I guess that's one avenue we kind of missed out on. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see who. I mean, do we just put Jack Sub by Tell on? That, that, that's <laughs> his name is gonna just put the SU in front of his surname now. It seems <laughs> like um, it's write him into there and leave him there. Is that what's going to happen? He seems to be a popular switch. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Campbell, always, as all we can, Campbell's been named as well. Um, so, yeah, um, many, many players that could drop from last week if you say, well, dropping on form. But, yeah, we, we don't want to change it up, obviously, too much and make it, yeah, just to switch everything around too much. It's, We'll find what the errors were. Just on the on the pattern and memory discussion, I I actually feel like Patton's position, not just in the in the best twenty two or, or whatever, but I think his role in the squad is in serious jeopardy. I think if you'd said three years ago, kind of before his broken leg, that that Ben Patton wouldn't be playing. Uh, on Toby Green, I would have I would have laughed because he was quite clearly our, our best small defender um, and one of the best small defenders in the competition, if, if we're honest. Um, and then obviously the broken leg that we, we all know about has had a, a bunch of other injuries and, and that sort of thing. And for them to move him into that midfield group pre-season and play him off, off a wing and, and run him through the middle, I think, I think they're saying that they don't want to have him as a small defender, they don't want to play him in that role anymore for whatever reason. Maybe it's that smalls are, are faster now. Maybe they're stronger, like you said, Parker, Toby Green. Yeah, for for a small forward, he is a bigger body um, and he's strong and all those sorts of things. And maybe Patton can't compete with that anymore, um, whereas Webster potentially can. And then you've got the the added, I guess, question mark of of Dan McKenzie mm-hmm. getting closer and closer to the top of the injury list. Um, you know, he went from undisclosed or, or no ETA to, to one or two weeks almost overnight. Um, and and he's clearly a, a, a wingman. So if they see Ben Patton behind Jimmy Webster as a small defender and they see him behind Dan McKenzie and a bunch of other wingmen, uh, then where does his future sit with us as, as a footy club? And, and then the memory question, I think you're right, he could – on on form, he would struggle to get back in if we if we click forward of center with King and, and Caminiti. But I think also what we've seen over the last few weeks is Membry kind of playing that number one forward role, which he's really not suited for. He's undersized. He's not going to compete against the big monster defenders. Um, he's got to get up the ground. He's got to use his running ability and his footy IQ to, to beat defenders now. Um, he's not the quickest bloke. He's not the biggest bloke. He's not the strongest bloke, but he does compete. And I think that once you bring King and, and potentially Caminiti both into the team together, that Membry gets a bit more burn and some more, you know, he's able to get off the leash a little bit more and can use his, use his running ability and, and all that sort of stuff. So I think Membry will be okay, but I'm really worried about Ben Patton and, and what, his, what, what his future holds. Yeah, Stocker's obviously been a, a bit of a factor too, slotting into mm. that, that back half and, and how they sort of set up there. And yeah, it's funny with memory because you you probably feel that you can't play King, Caminiti, Memory, and Owens in the same forward line. Memory's probably got more credits in the bank than all of those players, even Max King, if you mm. look at his career. But I mean, obviously, you're not going to leave Max. But always out. goes in the middle, exactly. Like, anyway. and he's he looks a generational talent. So you've got to keep him. Um, and obviously, Caminiti doing everything right. It's probably 
probably Caminiti or Membry at the moment are the two. Um, and that's obviously why someone like Sharman's obviously getting squeezed into a few different roles. Obviously, with Steele being on the extended bench, the watch on that knee, if he misses, do they just play Bytel and then Patton becomes a sub? Does Patton play and Bytel becomes a sub? Uh, will Windhager be a travelling emergency? I mean, that's one preemptive listener question that we'll, we'll sort of jump into because it's been asked by a lot of people. Um, obviously, blitzed at 36 or 37 or something with Sandy on the weekend. Look, I understand the confusion and I sort of scratched my head about it a little bit as well, but I also trust the method in that Windhager's had a bit of an up-and-down season where he's been a sub. I called the game the week before against North where he was okay at 27 but didn't dominate. Um Clearly, there's a message here to string a few together and get a little bit of form. Um, Billings is probably in a similar boat. I could see Billings used as a sub somewhere in the in the next few weeks. But uh, uh, Windhager played a good enough game, certainly, to have belted the door down and come back in. But it does appear that the message is string a couple of these together, get yourself into some full running, and then um, and then away we go. That's what it looks like. We we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, and, and just kind of wondering because he played uh, yeah, a number of games as the sub. I think the, the final game that he started uh, before he was the sub, before he had a week off and, and then was the sub, um, he only played 50% game time or something before he was before he was subbed. And he just – I think he just needs to get a couple of full games and, and get some Ks in the legs because we saw when he was coming on as a sub, he was okay. Like he was playing a role, but he certainly wasn't the – the dynamic impact player that we've all been expecting out of Marcus Wintager all, all season or all, all preseason. Um, and the guy that looked like he was going to be a Ross Lyon favorite from day one, um, you know, it feels like that hand injury just took the wind out of his sails, just completely kind of knocked him uh, for, for four for a little bit. And, and I think that the way that the squad has kind of, um, played out over the, the first couple of months of the season kind of shows that he does have a bit of work to do. And, you know, whether he lost conditioning or whether he lost some confidence or he wasn't able to get full um, use of the hand back straight away or, or whatever, he hasn't been quite right. And, you know, to, to take him off, to play him for a quarter for about a month in a row, um, you know, kind of three or four weeks straight really impacts guys' ability to impact over four quarters. And, yeah, I feel like he is a guy that needs to be on the ground a lot to, to be able to impact. Like he needs to use his his aerobic capacity. He needs to run. Um, he needs to be able to be physical. And and throwing him on at the end for fifteen or twenty minutes really isn't his his role. Um, and so I think really the the strategy with him is it just get a couple of full games into him, and then he'll be back because we know what he can do. We saw what he could do on on the weekend with Sandy. Um, he'll be when he's fit and ready to go. I think he'll be in the team and he'll be starting. You know, he'll he'll be on the ground for for majority of games and and you know, he'll be able to run things out. But I think it's just a, a bit of a waiting game for him to get his conditioning back up and um, and get some miles in the legs. And thanks to Sean, Joshua, St. Mickey, St. Campitelli, who all asked that question. There's a stack of others as well, but all variations of that question around um, Marcus Windhager. Um, Looking at a couple of others of these questions, um, kind of touched, Mona's asking the question about Toby Green. We, we've sort of touched on that a little bit. Uh, Luke asked the question, H, hey, how do you think the forward line structures up with Caminiti and King? Obviously, Caminiti is a different profile to Membry. So 
would you envisage that Caminiti roams around and King stays in the goal square or will they see it as an opportunity to run some fitness into King and have him as the mobile player and maybe Caminiti pushes back? Yeah, well, I've been calling for King to be the running mm. player. Um, I think I think you find Caminiti's probably more damaging in the forward line than he is up, the fall, up further up the ground, um, whereas King, I think, can be quite damaging between the wing and the half-forward, um, the get-out kick, the get-out mark. And then when you look at it, he now has that tall player to kick to in front of him. Quite often when King's done that and run up the ground and got that get-out mark, he's looked up and had nothing to kick to. It's basically been him marking and going, okay, I can kick it to myself. Where am I? It's um, Yeah, he's got someone he can actually aim for now um so it's 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 gonna be different to i guess we've we've had weeks of small forward lines um it's gonna be nice to see some tall targets up there able to take marks there over the top and um it'd just be good to see king get lots of one-on-ones that's going to be the best thing that if we see it it's what will the best thing we'll see because one-on-one, he's going to win it more often than not. The ball hits the ground. We've got the small forwards that roam around him and himself. I mean, the ball hits the ground with him on a one-on-one. He's going to meet beat most of the defenders down to the ground to get it. Um, you get a feeling that will Himmelberg possibly take him for a bit, you think, at some stage? Um, he, he, Depending on how the game's rolling, he may end up playing on him. Um, hopefully, our forward line's playing well enough that he doesn't then disappear up the forward line. That, that, that's a win right there. If because when they when they are rolling, they that's when they throw him up forward. And if he stays down back all game, we're going well. That's our first, uh, I guess, um, <clears throat> level to look at in the success of the day. So. Just, just don't get in each other's way. That's going to be the first thing, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, they haven't played together yet. So, just if, if, if Max says mine, get out of the way. That, that's probably <laughs> one thing. Um, but yeah, Cameron Eddie can fly for a ball if he wants. That's that, that's we, we won't begrudge him for t- trying to take one over the over a pack or. Mm. I yeah, think we'll just, see a just, bit of both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, absolutely. I think we'll see a bit of both. Like, it, it, we're going to get some different looks this week. We haven't had it all season. Um, we know how damaging Max King is up forward. We've seen it, like you said, H, the ability to, to kind of swing him further up the ground and, and be that get-out kick. I think we'll see that because he needs to get, you know, like we just said about Windhager, he needs to get some miles in the legs too and, and kind of run himself into some form, hopefully. Um, but likewise... Caminiti can can lead and run and and jump and contest and and be a big target off off half back as well. So I think we'll see some different looks. They're not the biggest, you know. The Giants aren't the biggest or strongest defensive unit, like you said, Himmelberg. You know, they've got Haynes and uh, Buckley. Um, so you know, it might depend on matchups and who's who's doing what. Like if, if Himmelberg's forward or back, um, you know, see if they can if they can stretch them. We know that our forward you know in, inside 50 delivery isn't great but maybe that straightens up a little bit with with kind of various tall targets there now 
um, and just try and stretch them and, and move the ball, be a bit more direct. You can have someone leading up, you can have someone leading wide, you can have someone down the middle, top of the goal square, whatever it is. Mm. We can we can try some different looks and and hopefully it's, you know, we're a little bit less predictably unpredictable, <laughs> I guess, in, in that, you know, we haven't had good delivery because we haven't had anyone to aim at. You know, we're, we're trying mm. to deliver to Higgins and Butler and Gresham and, and th- those sorts of guys on, on leads. Um, and, and now you can have a, a King and, and Caminiti leading in different pockets or one leading, you know, one leading deep or one leading short and one leading deep and all these sorts of things that, that we can provide some different looks and some unpredictability um, in, in a more structured way. And, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And for what it's worth, I, I actually do think that Membry can fit in that same forward line. If you pull Filippo and Owens back towards the centre and have them kind of more lead up wingmen, high half forwards, whatever you want to call it, um, and, and rolling through the centre as well. We know the best teams have a bunch of you know, versatile half forwards that can roll through the middle. They can play off half back and on a wing. And I think that we're starting to, to kind of build that type of squad where you can you can throw a bunch of guys through the middle to, to impact and you know, be competitive and still have two or three uh, medium to, to tall key forwards up front as well. Summary of the injury list as well, which we kind of touched on. So obviously you mentioned Dan McKenzie briefly earlier. So he's listed as one to two weeks and uh, is almost training fully, I think, now, which is a, a good sign. Jack Hayes is starting to actually head the right way, seven to eight weeks. That hadn't moved for ages. Caulfield still six to eight. A couple of the youngsters likely to come back post the bye, like Ollie Hotton, uh, Angus McLennan, those sorts of players. And the other one, Zach Jones, who was due to probably play VFL this week, but pinged the quad. And uh, there's a conversation there somewhere, obviously, about what his future looks like, unfortunately. But um, that's obviously looking, you know, more and more of a realistic conversation, unfortunately. Um, One for you, Nick. I guess two people asking questions that can kind of be tied together. Tim asking about this being a mirror of last season and what we can do to avoid the drop away and Toby asking the question, given the severity or the gravity of the loss to the Crows, would it be crisis time if we lose to the Giants? Oh, I, I certainly don't think it's crisis time. I mean, like we, we've said at, at the top, you know, we, we would have taken this position 10 weeks ago. Um, we, we know that, that Ross's game style is tough. It's a young squad, missing a lot of guys. There's been a lot of, you know, a, a lot of effort going into a few guys because we haven't been able to have the rotations. We haven't been able to swing changes and, and all that sort of stuff. Guys are going to be tired now. This is a very different game style. It's a very different game plan and um, and and makeup of uh, of footy to, to what these guys would have been used to. Uh, Ross is a demanding uh, a demanding type of coach that, you know, he doesn't want 100% effort. He wants 120% effort all the time. Um, and there are there are going to be guys that now ten weeks into the season are going to be buggered. Like a few of them are starting to look cooked, and, and that's to be expected with a young team, regardless. Let alone um, you know with with a coach like Ross who's looking to get a bearing on on who's who and what's what in in the squad with a bunch of young kids. I, I think this was a a natural part of what was coming with this team. This season, I think we'll get better again, but we're going to have down weeks. We're going to have down periods. You know, we're going to have patches where we might lose two or three uh, or, or play ugly football like the North game and, and Port game, and, and that's it, it's going to happen. It's a, it's a young squad, uh, and it's a brand-new game style that is demanding 
on fitness and health, and we haven't had that. So I, I certainly don't think it's crisis time. Um, the mirror to last season is is an interesting one, like you mentioned at the top. You know, the the, the port loss, um, the ugly North game, um, all these sorts of things, the possibility of being eight and three at the bye unexpectedly. Um, I think Ross is different. I think that the process is different. He's going to be asking different things. He's going to be looking at different things. He's going to be monitoring and reporting on different things. And he's going to be, you know, his process is going to be very different to, to what Rats was doing last season uh, and, and over the last couple of seasons. And and he's got a different a different eye on, on metrics and uh, – stats and data and a bunch of different things. So I'm not I'm not so worried about the mirror. I think we've already seen that we play very different football. I think the squad is very different. I think you know everything is different regardless of the the win loss record. I think everything else is different and I'm not I just I think it's kind of a non-issue this kind of mirror um and your know, comparison to last year so much has changed. Agreed. Um yeah, it looks similar on paper, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of fundamental differences along the way, and hopefully that's emphasised along the way with this run into the bye. But look at the awards before we wrap things up. H, do you have a Jason Blake award? Can you find someone who performed admirably in the shit show last week? Um, yeah, I mean, it was hard to sort of, I guess, pin one player. I, I, I just got to. Probably go to Jack Higgins. He probably didn't get much, I guess, credit from anyone. Like, like we, no, none of our players got coaches' votes. None of our players got um, any sort of, I guess, credit in the media anywhere. But he, he tried all day. He copped a few whacks as he was marking the ball, as he was just trying to get to the ball. He was, he, he, he would have had a few bruises on him at the end of the day. And yeah, he, he gave everything he had. Um, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd say for that match alone, that's sort of where I got to go for him. Nick, I'm going to go Hunter Clark. I think we've expected a lot of Hunter Clark ever since we we drafted him. We know the injuries and we know all those sorts of things. Um, we know that he kind of gets caught in possession sometimes. He looks a bit lackadaisical, um, but it's exciting to see him grow almost week on week on week and. And to, to kind of have that vision of what he could become in this team, you know, looking, I know he's been on the list for kind of six years now. This is his sixth year, but he's he's only played seventy seven games um, because of a bunch of those injuries. He hasn't played he hasn't played a hundred games, and we know that that's when you know these kind of um, uh, younger midfielders really start to take hold of their career is at that you know 75 to 100 game mark of their career and and I think that we're finally starting to see a bit of that continuity in his game and and it's really fun to watch because you know like I said we've been waiting for it for a long time let me go with Owens I know we've spoken a lot about him didn't have his best game of the year but I thought he still presented and competed and looked dangerous should have got three or four over the top where we just sort of slaughtered inside 50s um, took a hanger again um, went into the ruck and did little bits and pieces I thought he worked hard in a, in a game where we really battled but it, I thought there were still some positive signs in that as well and a real left field one I know it's this is not in any way meant to be condescending, but um, obviously with the news we had around North Melbourne in the last 24 hours or so around Alistair Clarkson, I think if we look at Brett Ratton, he was 
um, certainly dedicated, committed, um, you know, had some good results for the club. Obviously, there were some limitations there, and I think the club made the right decision, but I think he always held his head high, and I think he always gave us everything he possibly could, and I guess if there is one thing to come out of the Clarkson situation is that he will get to coach again at North Melbourne, and, and I don't think too many of us would begrudge him that. So um, hopefully he gets some success and some results and maybe another opportunity. Um, According yeah. to the great Sir Swamp thing on Twitter, mm. is the only man to have been interim senior coach at three different clubs. <laughs> well, we know how the last two went for him, but um, obviously there's a lot to play out <laughs> this time around. Um, the Shannon Knoll Award... Oh, Others may go this way. I just wanted to sort of start and and mention this. I I know this segment by nature is slightly harsh, but um, a guy who has been probably not pedestrian, that's probably too harsh of a way to say it, but has had a, a lot of frustrating aspects to his game probably since the end of his first season with us in 2020, and that is Dougal Howard, who's been a source of frustration at times. Uh, he can defend well one-on-one. He can be frustrating with ball in hand. He made four or five howlers on the weekend. Um, someone summed it up on Twitter really well, saying that there is a really good defender in there somewhere, stuck, trapped. Um, for whatever reason, there is something holding him back. We've seen what he can play like at his best, but it's been a long time now. Um and it's a worry if we can't fix that. So, um, yeah, we need him to, to find his feet again. I think you actually said, Darren, when uh, when we hired Ross again, mm. and I don't know if you said it on the show or if it was just in, mm. in one of the group chats or whatever, but one of the things that we're kind of looking forward to about Ross coming in was turning Dougal Howard into Zach <laughs> Dawson, just yeah. a really reliable defender. Mm. Like forget about all the other, the other bits and pieces and the – you know, brain farts and all that type of stuff. Just turn him into a into a really good defender. Mm. Hasn't he, he's still working on that? I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, did you have one for us? I do, and probably a little bit con- controversial, given I just gave him the uh, the Jason Blake Award. But Hunter Clark, for for a very <laughs> different reason, I think historically this this award has been a negative award, and and I kind of want to flip it into a positive. Having said all those things, he's 77 games into his career. It's exciting to watch him grow and all those types of things. There's an opportunity here in our midfield for him to take a hold of you know, this, this place in the center. Um, for years, we've been over-reliant on the likes of Jack Steele. I think we've, we saw it earlier in the year with Brad Crouch, who kind of stepped up. Um, Zach Jones at times in the last couple of years and, and a bunch of kind of other senior guys. Jack Sinclair, obviously. Um, but Hunter Clark can take a step up. And, you know, 77 games, 80 games or whatever into his career, this is the time that uh, good players go to great players and Hunter Clark has the ability uh, to become a leader in the same way that Nick Del Santo did after a couple of years in, in the system, um, going from a really a, a really good midfielder to a very, very, very good midfielder, you know, nigh on elite uh, and Hunter Clark has that same skill set. He's got the ability, uh, and, and I think that he can be a very, very important asset to our midfield. And he's got an opportunity now with with Jack Steele a bit banged up, and um, you know Sinclair playing a variety of roles, and, and we know what to expect out of out of Crouch. Um, but Hunter Clark can make that centre position his own, and, and you know if he steps up, all of a sudden, you know our engine room looks incredibly good. Hey, yep. Um, again, a different. I guess way to do this, but Max King. Hmm. 
But let let's <laughs> see him come back with a bang. Let let let's get something from him that we go. That's what we've missed. Let let's let's really hope that yeah that's that's what we get this week. Um, I mean, lifting from zero is pretty easy, but let let's go through to let's go through the roof. Yeah, we wanted to see Ross coach him. So um, hopefully, I mean, they held him back last week because he wasn't quite right. So hopefully they can unleash him in a big way this week. And, you know, they flagged it very early on with the memory concussion. But uh, as we wrap things up, obviously, that's so St Kilda. Does anyone have any any to expand on beyond Toby Green's return potentially uh, this week, yeah. just in time? Green, re- green returns this <laughs> week. Um, Walker rests this week. <laughs> it just seems we're just, yeah. We, we we managed to cop them pretty well. We went, what we had um if uh, Ginevan was back for his first game against us, yeah. it just just seems to be the the way things are panning out. So yeah, it'd be nice to be Jake Stringer came have, back in the Essendon game. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice not to have a name <laughs> coming back or whatever mm. right before we play. What about losing losing to Adelaide and Adelaide with your veteran key forward? Suffering a sickening concussion yeah. after taking taking a fly and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. a bit reminiscent of whatever twenty fifteen or whatever it was. Even that in itself, like memory that was putting together probably his best game, and then that happens. Mm. Um, obviously, the steel niggle is frustrating, but did see the point this year that we've had three losses this year, um, all involving South Australia. So. Two, mm. the two Adelaide teams and the other one in Adelaide against Collingwood. So um hasn't been our favourite part of the world. But hopefully we enjoy uh, Western Sydney uh, a little bit more. Are we playing in Western Sydney or Canberra? I probably should know that. I th- swear it's Sydney showground. I actually feel better yeah. about that if that's the case because um, as funny as it sounds, the Giants haven't won at Canberra for six years, I think. And it would actually concern me playing him there because that would be primed for a, a, that so St Kilda. But, yeah, Giant Stadium. So <laughs> even though their record is go. better yeah. at Giant Stadium, I actually kind of prefer that so we don't have to worry about that other bullshit yeah. stat which would have got mentioned multiple times. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 watch out for the bullshit because it was, it was covered in it a couple of weeks ago after the show there. So um, <laughs> yeah. oh, that was an absolute mud patch. I, was, I saw a little glimpse of it and I thought there's any one that I can't play there for a month because it was just mud so let's hopefully yeah. the ground is in good nick because I'd no be concerned ACLs. if it's yeah, yeah it's, it's mm. we don't want it um, being wet and after that's come back from that condition and yeah let's just hope it's in good nick as we wrap things up obviously this week all of the talk is about the return of the king hopefully on sunday we get the return of saints footy as well we look forward to that one and hopefully we reconvene at seven and three
Tennessee. 